tonight, first Wednesday, as Charmone has mentioned. Uh, we're going to continue uh, going through Proverbs. We're at Proverbs 23 tonight, so turn there in your Bible. Um, in the uh, short time that we have, that I have on Wednesday, don't have time to really um, do a lot in this. But I think this, this chapter 23, we're going to read just a portion of it. Um, I pick out a theme in this whole chapter, and the theme I picked out is discipline. Christian life is a disciplined life. <clears throat> disciplined means to um, do the things that, to live our lives in a way that's obedient to God and to train ourselves or to apply ourselves for that. And so let's look at a few things here. Um, could I have someone read verses 1 through, where do we start? I'm going to read 1 through 12, so let's read a few verses at a time as you'd like to just start off and where you drop off, someone else will pick up. We're in Proverbs 23, starting at verse 1. Notice the do nots. I'm okay with this. Notice the do nots. So it's, it's things that um, we train ourselves and control, put ourselves under the control of God, under the control of, of his Holy Spirit. So it's not just listening, but um, changing our behavior in such a way. Let's take a look at a few particulars. Uh, the first one that comes out is kind of striking. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, observe carefully what is before you. Um, uh, it's, it's not just what is before you, but, what, but who is before you. So it's saying when you sit down with people of authority, watch how you handle yourself. Watch how you handle yourself. In this regard, it's talking about controlling our, our appetite in our, in our eating. Why is that important? It says, um, put a knife to your throat if you're given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Um, so, yeah, it's talking about us and, and not, uh, not have us look at the important things um, in life or, or what we should be. Not, well, there's a couple things. Verse 4, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. So discipline in our desires. Don't let your desires go wild. The world has a, a, a the, the philosophy of the world is do as your heart desires. Fulfill your heart. We even train our children, you can be whatever you desire. That's not wrong training. Well, should we be training them? What are you going to teach a golden retriever to do? To retrieve. It's in his nature. He loves it. He, if you make him sit in a cage all day long, he will be miserable. If you train him to be tied to a leash all day long, he will be miserable. But if you take him off that leash and take a ball and throw it as far as you can, he will have joy and bring it back to you until it irritates you. I mean, he will do it over and over and over and over again. What's my point? We should train our children to do what their creator 
has designed them to be. What is that to glorify him? Now, in what particular ways are they to glorify him? That's for us as parents to find out. What talent and what ability a gift did, my, did God give my child? And what basic things does he want me to train them so they can pursue chase your appetite? Uh, chase, d d discover what God has you for, and then you can pursue that. Um, it's in verse, not eat the bread of a man who is stingy. Do not desire his delicacies. The, the word stingy um, means a man with an evil eye. In other words, he has, he has a heart to do evil. I think stingy can probably help us understand that in the sense of um, when he gives you something, understand how he thinks about it, what his motivation is. Um, so a person with an evil eye will, will do different things. You know, we, we just come through the season of Christmas where people give gifts. Um, gifts in order to get something. And you're wise to know that. Don't just take the gift blindly without knowing what type of person you're receiving it from and what their heart is at. And that's why he's saying, don't, don't, just, um, don't just eat bread with them because... They're doing it for a purpose. Don't be naive about that. Do not desire his delicacies. In other words, don't sit at the table like, you're just going to enjoy a good meal and it's all great. And there's nothing else here. I hear, um, I, when I was younger, I used to hear this more often, especially from, from young women, is, oh, we're we, we just having fun. Or we're just having a date. We're just getting together. Young people today, we're just hanging out. There's a motivation clear so that you can understand the motivation of others and what, what they're trying to do. Look, notice what verse 7, for he is like one who is inwardly calculating. He doesn't do it for nothing. He, he has a purpose in mind, and you'd be wise to know that before you jump into it. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. He didn't do that just for you to enjoy. He has a motivation behind it. Um, Proverbs, um, I try and, and, and get this message across when I'm at school as, as a pastor there, teach to young people. Often, though, sometimes you can't tell when they're listening or not. Uh, kids can be distracted and they can still hear you. And I, I trust the Holy Spirit is speaking um, and he don't want to listen. Um, but what I find is you're at a point in your life where you need wisdom um, more importantly than, than any other time. Uh, because there's so many things in the world that can lead you astray and can captivate you and, and carry. Proverbs is written so that we could gain wisdom. If you're going to read um, through the Bible, um, gaining wisdom, well, that's one of the things when I was a teenager I wanted to do is read through Proverbs and how it worked or how I should glean wisdom from that. Um, but that's what I wanted to do. And what Proverbs do, does is it shows you the wisdom of God um, positively and it does it negatively. Positively, pointing you in the right direction and good examples. Negatively, showing you some negative examples, people and, and traits not to mimic or, 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 or chase after. Look at that and, and, and learn from that. Um, but you say, is that just for kids? Is it just for, for those who are developing? 
Proverbs for us adults helps us look in the mirror. Do I see, one of the things I said Proverbs does is it just gives you the picture of a fool. So you can make sure that's not your portrait in there, all right? It's not your selfie, okay? Um, so that you know that you're not going in that pattern. And so it's a check. It's a mirror. It's something to look at, to help you look at yourself to see if you're lining up um, like that. Um, I talked about discipline through this whole chapter. Um, verse 9, do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for you would despise the good sense of your words. Um, discipline with who you have conversation with. See, sometimes having conversations with people who are, the Proverbs tells you over and over again, one of the traits of a fool is they don't listen. They simply don't listen. And I think it's foolish to continually try to convince a fool with words. Now, let me challenge that, first of all. It is words that we first convince and, 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 and refute or try to challenge a person. But it's a fool who doesn't listen to mere words. So you say to a fool, man, don't run out in the street like that. But they don't learn until they run out in the street. Oh, man, I guess I shouldn't have done that. You try to tell them, well, listen, you can't always learn by experience because you ain't a cat that have nine lives, right? So some experiences are going to devastate and destroy you. That's why you have to learn from the experiences of others. Um, so uh, verse 10, do not move an ancient landmark. This has to do with discipline in the area of dis uh, um, deception and honesty. To move an ancient landmark was to, to use our language, it would be changing your lot line. So that every time you cut your grass, you move your lot line over a foot onto your neighbor's property. And then the next, by the end of the summer, you have gained, you know, like 12 feet of property and you begin to own his yard. It's a, you're deceptively moving. Now, let me just make that a practical application. We work in business fields that so often um, business has manipulative, deceptive practices. How does a Christian deal with that? How do you, how do, you do in your job that deals with deceptive practices? I think you, you need to, first of all, understand what something is and, and, and see through it and then agree not to be a part of any kind of deceptive scheme. Running a business, don't run a business off of deceptive schemes. Uh, all through Proverbs, you'll talk, uh, even in this chapter, it talks about um, don't mistreat those who are, 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 are um, vulnerable, don't mistreat those who are poor. Um, this is what businesses often I shouldn't say businesses. Uh, deceptive people use businesses in the gain, um, to gain wealth in wrong ways. I was watching, you know, I, I watch YouTube videos. I was watching a YouTube video of a, um, it was a uh, telemarketing group that was based in India. And you've, you've seen this kind of stuff all over, right? And they were calling people predominantly um, our parents would say, well, you know, if you tell the truth, you won't get punished. But no, <laughs> that's not right either. They need to get punished. But what if, if we punish them and, and they'll, they'll not tell the truth? No, that's just for them 
uh, by being deceptive. But it goes through that um, several times in, in Proverbs. Um, it talks about discipline of a child, verse 13. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. Um, you know, we, we laugh at that in a sense, but it's a huge issue in our culture today. And the government is trying to stop parents from the discipline that the Bible talks about clearly. I hear Christians, because of their culture, don't like this, and they throw it out. You shouldn't spank your child. Yes, you should. And you should learn how to do it in a proper manner. The Bible never says you to, for you to abuse your child. Look at this verse. If you, if, you, if you discipline him, if you strike him with a rod, he will not die. What does that mean? You're not beating him to death. That's not the purpose of, of, of that type of punishment. You shouldn't even leave marks and blows on him. That's not the right way to do it. You shouldn't do it because you're angry. So we can talk about all those types of things. Um, I don't have time to get it, but Hebrews chapter 12 is an excellent chapter to look at about discipline, how God disciplines his own children. It's painful, but it's not devastating. And he does that to train us, to pull us in the right direction. And so we, we really have to challenge um, our culture. Um, it's, it's even written in many of our laws that you, you just, you can't put your hands on anybody for any reason. Um, this does not line up with the word of God. And so we need to know the barriers. We need to know the, you, you have to notice from this verse that, that God has given us some outlines of how to conduct ourselves. First of all, do not withhold discipline. You need to discipline, and, and you need to discipline in a certain way, in an effective way. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. It's saying you will, will take his wrong behavior, and you will confront it properly. And, and you continue to do that, you will keep him from a path to hell. And, and that is true. It, it like, it's like the next verses really just back him up. Um, he said, let me just read those. Verse 15, my son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. It's like, it's like a, a dad saying, son, if you train your children, I'll be a glad grandfather. That's what's going to bring me joy, seeing you bring them up in the right way. Um, my innermost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Um, I'll, I'll come back next week and do the rest of this chapter. I just challenge our hearts uh, through his word today. in our meditation through Ezekiel. We're going to be in chapter 9 today. All right, so just to set the scene, Ezekiel 8 starts this new ark. And in this ark, there were some elders who came and wanted to seek the Lord's counsel from Ezekiel. 
But while they were seeking the Lord, God visited Ezekiel and told him the truth. So they thought that they were just going to act like they were holy, but all of a sudden God really did come. And when God came, he told them, he told Ezekiel about some of the secret evil that these people were doing. And how they saw, they act like they were seeking the Lord, but they wanted to do their own thing. And he even named some names. And he showed him visions of people doing secret things or things that he wasn't, maybe he wasn't aware of. And this vision is still continuing, okay? So it started in chapter 8. It's going to go through on the next couple chapters. So it's chapter 9 and chapter 10 are also part of this, this vision, okay? So chapter 8 was just the first part of it. So we're, now we're in chapter 9. The Lord has already explained how he's angry and he's not going to relent on his judgment. So now let's get into chapter 9 and read that. Then he cried in my ears with a loud voice saying, bring near the executioners of the city each with his destroying weapon in his hand and behold six men came from the direction of the upper gate which faces north each with his weapons for slaughter in his hand and with them was a man clothed in linen with a writing case at his waist and they went in and stood before beside the bronze altar now the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub on which it rested to the threshold of the house and he called to the man clothed in linen who had the writing case at his waist. And the Lord said to him, Pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations that are committed in it. And to the others he said in my hearing, Pass through the city after him and strike. Your eyes shall not spare, and you shall show no pity. Kill old men outright, young men and maids, little children and women, but touch no one on whom is the mark, and begin in my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were before the house. Then he said to them, Defile the house, and fill the courts with the slain. Go out. So they went out and struck in the city. And while they were striking, I was left alone. I fell upon my face and cried, Ah, Lord God, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel and the outpouring of your wrath on Jerusalem? Then he said to me, the guilt of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great. The land is full of blood, and the city full of injustice. For they say, the Lord has forsaken the land, and the Lord does not see. As for me, my eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. I will bring their deeds upon their heads. And behold, the man clothed in linen with the writing case's waist brought word back saying I have done as you commanded me here chapter 9 what thoughts occur to you as you read through what is the Lord saying in this chapter and then I'll make four short points after that anybody want to venture what they see in this chapter Okay, God does know whose is. That is for sure. God knows whose is. God who God punishes those who aren't his. That's right. Okay, he started with the fake leaders in the sanctuary. He started near the temple. Right? What did Peter say? Judgment will begin. And I'll 
nosso lugar. He didn't spare, right? He did not spare. Okay. Let me just make the four points that I have here. And here's the first point is this. Judgment has no partiality. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It don't matter what flavor of sin you might have. If you don't follow the Lord, you will be judged. And the first point is that, that judgment is without prejudice. It will be meted out. The second thing I'll note is that judgment is never without mercy in the Lord's eyes. I would just note that our city is evil, but yet we still got a church that's doing well. Why do we have a church that's doing well? Is it because we're so good? because the Lord had mercy on us. Why did the Lord send out six men to kill and one man to write? One man who wrote was a man of mercy. The Lord is very merciful, isn't he? He is very merciful. Even think about this. Ezekiel is in the midst of, in the middle of him having his vision, there are people surrounding him who are just a bunch of liars and fakers. But does he say, yeah, get them, Lord. He says, oh, my Lord, you want to destroy all the people? One part of our, this is the burden of being a servant of the Lord. And we all have to share this in some sense, right? We know people deserve judgment. But we also pray for mercy. Right? And it seems contradictory and it is in some sense but it's just the way that a servant of the Lord has to be think about Jesus Jesus said lay not this sin on them what does Stephen say same thing what do godly people say they 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 don't want people to go to hell right sometimes when I think about hell I'm extremely sad extremely especially when I think about the, the inevitable fact that when somebody goes there, they are not getting out. You know there's no second chances. There's no reincarnation. I read a lot of Chinese stories. Right? I'm not saying Chinese if it's a Japanese, no actual Chinese stories. China, China, they love the idea of reincarnation. And the reason they like that idea is because who wouldn't want to start over? Who can't think of mistakes they made, right? Who can't think if they went back and did this instead, their life would be so much better, right? Who wouldn't want to go back to 1980 and invest in Microsoft? Who wouldn't want to, right? We all got things we could think of and people we met we wish we never met. People we hung with we wish we never hung with. We all could think about that. But there is no duel. We get one chance. So we got to take life seriously. Here's the third point. The third point is more will perish than will be saved. 
There is one person who wrote on the names of people, and there are six people who went on and slave. And that's in the city where the temple is. That means, even if we wanted to be generous, one out of seven were saved. I don't even think it was one out of seven because if you think about it correctly, when he went out there and wrote the names, he came back first and others were still out there. That means it, was, it wasn't, he didn't, it wasn't a lot of names he wrote down. Okay? Jesus says, narrow is the road, wide are the gates, basically to hell. But then I'll make one last point. These things actually happen, okay? When it talks about the north gate being open, that's actually a reference to Babylon, right? Babylon was to the north. All these things symbolically actually point to real historical facts. But these are echoes of the judgment to come. Will the Lord write down names? Revelations talks about that gonna put a sign on his people. Now, I don't know how the sign is gonna look. I don't know how he's gonna do that. I don't know. But he will save his remnant, even in the midst of great judgment. There will be a judgment to come where the whole world will fall under the hand of God. Where all mountains will be laid low. Everything that rises up against God will be brought down low. Everything will be humble. Kings will be humble. YouTube stars will be humble. Presidents will be humble. Presidents and universities will be humble. It doesn't matter who you are. If you think you're somebody, you will learn that you're not. On that day, the Lord will mark who is his. And he will prove Jesus right. Because Jesus said, what? Me, one hair. So let's not wait to that day to try to be humble. It'll be too late. Let's be humble today. Amen.